Welcome to Royals Review Radio. I'm the editor of Royals Review, Max Reaper. Uh, today we continue our preview of the American League Central Division. Last time out, we previewed the Chicago White Sox and the Cleveland Indians with Josh Nelson of Southside Sox and Matt Lyons of Let's Go Tribe. Today we're going to preview the Twins and the Tigers, and joining me now to talk about the Minnesota Twins is Maya Varda. She's the editor of Twinkie Town. Maya, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Max. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the Twins a little bit. Uh, kind of a down year last year, lost 103 games, uh, and coming <laughs> off a year in which they were actually surprised a lot of people and were competitive in 2015 with a mm-hmm. winning record. We're in it until like the last week of the, of the season. Um, mm-hmm. But they're kind of going with a youth movement, a lot of young names. And I feel like, um, you know, I know in the early 2000s, they had a lot of guys come up together like Torrey Hunter, Justin mm-hmm. Morneau, Michael Kadire, Joe Maurer. And I know the Royals kind of saw that as a model organization, and they kind of wanted to replicate that with their own guys coming up together with Hosmer and Moustakas. Well, now the Twins have kind of fallen off, uh, but it seems like they're trying to do the same thing again, replicate their own model with a cup with a good crop of young guys coming up together. Where's, what's your sense of where they are in the youth movement? Uh, we know these guys are starting to reach the big leagues. Uh, when do Twins fans kind of expect this team to start competing again? Um, well, yeah, basically right now, um, I know that compared to, you know, before last year to this year that they, the twins as a team has fallen a lot on like the farm reports and prospect lists because most of their young guys have already graduated to the majors. So, um, they're sort of in that limbo right now. Um, they've had their struggles and they definitely haven't figured it out. So, um, as far as how far the rebuilding goes, um, when they'll contend again, I guess really matters on when those young guys will, you know, start to figure it out and step up. Um, and, you know, I like the comparison to, you know, the young group of guys in 2002 that the twins had. I'm not sure if the group of guys they have now is as complete a set because they definitely have holes in there. Um, pitching being still the biggest one, but, um, I think that Twins fans, you know, are sort of hopeful, you know, some of them, like Byron Buxton, can figure it out this year. Obviously, we're hopeful they can all figure it out. But I think most Twins fans don't really expect them, the the Twins, to actually contend this year. Um, the sort of thing, like you said, in 2015, um, they sort of surprised everyone and won 83 games, I believe. Um, you know, and we're up in there for the wild card spot until the last weekend. And then last year was, yeah, a little bit of a downer. It was actually the worst <laughs> of all time. But um, but they were s- the similarity between those two is like in 2015, everybody thought that the Twins overperformed um, what they had when they got all those wins. And most people think that last year they actually underperformed, you know, the talent level that they had on the team. So this year it's hard to predict because there's you know all these young guys and sort of question marks but i think most people are sort of you know thinking that it's going to regress more to in between those two um extremes so uh that's i think what most twins fans are sort of thinking is going to happen but hey last year a lot of twins fans thought they'd do well and the exact opposite happened so well and leading that youth movement now is, is going to be a new general manager they got mm-hmm. uh, they fired Longtime general manager Terry Ryan this past mm-hmm. offseason and brought in Derek Falvey from the Cleveland Indians, a young guy, 33 years old, actually about the same age of, as uh, Joe Maurer, which kind of blows my mm-hmm. mind. 
Um, what were the, what was kind of the impression of Twins fans about the firing of Ryan and, and bringing in a young guy like Falvey? Was that kind of a breath of fresh air that the organization needed? Um, yes, I think Twins fans and myself included were extremely shocked um, when Terry Ryan was fired. It was sort of a weird situation because everybody understood why it happened. There wasn't really any question over that, but people were still shocked because it was just like a couple weeks before that, you know, Jim Pullad was saying, we're not firing Terry Ryan, you know, he's going to stay there, you know, and, but then he suddenly had a change of heart. And I think it was Terry Ryan that might have actually gotten him and said, you know, if you have to make a change, do it. Um, I can't, I, I don't remember the exact details, but yeah, I think um, most Twins fans, even those sympathetic to Terry Ryan, um, thought it was a good move and thought that it was time for a change because, you know, things were just kind of um, going off the rocket. There was this um, report that came out a couple months, like early in the season for the Twins last year, where um, their owner, Jim Polad, you know, called the, the whole organization a total system failure. Huh. There was a lot of people like you know, sort of like, well, why don't you do something? Um, <laughs> that was that was when he said, well, what am I going to do? Fire Terry Ryan, you know, and, and, you know, eventually that did happen. So I think most Twins fans are um, happy with that. Derek um, Balvey, I think that as Twins fans are learning more about him, um, that they like that move. Um, he seems to be a likable guy. Everybody that I've heard who, you know, talked to him, um, like him. And yeah, he is like, I think Joe Maurer is only like a month older than him or he's a month older than Joe Maurer. It's something like that. But, um, but yeah, it is kind of nice to have um, a younger guy who's just, um, especially for a whole organization overhaul like that, because, you know, he has a little bit more energy and a little bit more open to doing new things, which is something the twins definitely, definitely needed. Um, so that um, has been going well. And Thad Levine, who um, Derek Felvey was actually the one who hired Thad. Um, and so far, he seems like a good pick, too. Um, but, yeah, we haven't been able to see a whole lot yet, especially because it was sort of a slow offseason. And they were sort of getting everything together. Um, then there was also the problem that, you know, Derek Felvey came from the Indians. Um, and he had to, you know, couldn't officially join until their season was over. So that went all the way, um, you know, to Game 7 of the World Series. Um, and it made sort of a scramble when he had to get everybody sorted together for the, the GM meetings, which were like a week later. So um, so I think that their offseason was a little bit still scrambly because of, you know, getting everything together and learning everybody. But um, I'm hopeful for them, and I think that most Twins fans like the move. Well, one of his first tests in this offseason um, was, I guess, dealing with the Brian Dozier situation. Yes. A lot of trade rumors swirling around him, a lot of reports linking him to the Dodgers, who ultimately mm -hmm. passed and uh, ended up acquiring Logan Forsythe from the Rays. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you, why, do those, why do those talks fall apart, and, and do you see Brian Dozier getting traded this summer, or, or is he going to stick around in Minnesota all year, you think? Um, well, the trade talks, yeah, it was basically – um, all of the trade talks were with the Dodgers because they were really the only team that fit, um, which is unfortunate because I think if there had been more, you know, potential buyers that it could have gone somewhere, but it, it sort of stalled because the, um, all the Dodgers wanted to give the twins was Jose De Leon, um, straight up for Brian Dozier. 
And the twins said, no, we need more than that, you know, because that's a pretty risky thing to um, to trade, you know, someone like Brian Dozier for just one pitching prospect because, you know, what if he blows his arm out or, I don't know, doesn't pan out. Um, so the, the Dodgers, I guess, weren't really willing to move on that. And then, you know, there was no other suitors, so there was no sort of other way to get the uh, – um, the, the trade talks moving again, I guess. And so eventually um, the Dodgers did uh, pass on that. And then they, they did the same trade for Logan Forsythe that they were offering for Brian Dozier. So I think that was sort of um, a validation for Twins fans that, yeah, they probably did right to kind of stick out and ask for more um, than just Jose De Leon. Um, so I thought they, they did all right with that. I mean, it was kind of unlucky because, um, you know, I wanted to trade Brian Dozier because um, he's obviously had the most value and we need to get more pitching into the system somehow. But they're just um, it was a pretty bad market for trying to do it. So unfortunately, it didn't work out. But um, I'm happy they didn't take that offer from the Dodgers, too. I think a lot of Royals fans would be really happy to see him leave the division because I think of his 42 <laughs> home runs last year. 41 of them came against the Royals. I, I mean, like at least 20 came off Chris Young alone. I mean, the guy was just destroying the Royals last season. Um, you know, the Twins actually have quite a bit of uh, lumber in their lineup, it seems like, uh, between Dozier uh, and, and Kenneth Vargas and uh, Miguel Sano, who um, really hit well against the Royals, it seemed like, last year. We know about his great power, but it's I guess the big issue for him has been where do you put him on the baseball field? Um, he's played a little bit of right field with some um, underwhelming results. I know he's played some third where he had 15 errors in 42 games last year. Where, where do you see him sticking uh, on the field defensively um, this year and, and maybe even long-term? Well, um, the plan for this year is to, he will be starting at third base. Um, they don't really have another like full-time third base guy. So, I mean, they've just kind of gone with him that, that that's going to be the plan. It is sort of worrisome. His defense there was um, after, you know, moving back because um, he was started off in right field um, last year. Obviously, the defense there was bad. Um, you know, he had an arm, but basically he's this huge guy lumbering around out there and it was difficult to watch. <laughs> um, and they just moved him. Um, he um, he injured himself eventually, tore ha- her strained his hammy or something. Um, and then um, Trevor Plouffe, who was our third baseman, injured himself. So when Miguel Snow came back, they just put him at third base and said, yeah, do this. But he hadn't been practicing there at all. So he ended up making a bunch of errors. Um, I'm hoping that, like, with him just sticking there, you know, since the beginning of spring training and working on it, you know, and not doing this outfield stuff, that um, that his defense will get better there. Um and it will be passable. I mean, he has a really good arm and is good at, like, charging the ball, making throws to first. But um, long term, do I think he's going to stay at third base forever? Probably not. He'll probably – he's just – he's kind of too big, and his defense isn't very good. So he'll probably, at some point in his career, move to first or full-time DH. But for next season, they, they have him slated um, to be at third. Yeah, it seems like he'd profile more like at first base or DH, mm-hmm. but of course Joe Maurer is already at first, and and Vargas yeah. is, is in the lineup as well. And another guy that kind of plays that position that I, I thought would be in the picture this year, 
uh, is Byung Ho Park, who I went mm-hmm. to a game last year, last April, and I was sitting in left field. There was a driving wind in, uh, blowing uh, in towards the hitters, and Park absolutely destroyed a pitch that I think mm-hmm. it was off Jordana Ventura uh, that actually landed in the water spectacular over my head. Uh, mm-hmm. He's obviously got some terrific power, but had a tough year last year and was kind of surprisingly designated for assignment over the winter. Does he still have a future in Minnesota, and how do you see him fitting into the picture? Um, yeah, I actually think that was his first home run. Um, I think that it was a little weird. Um, I think that the whole like um, front office changing also had a piece in that, because when they got went out and got Byung-Ho Park last year, um, a lot of people were sort of confused because there wasn't really any spot for him. That's what necessitated the move of Miguel Sano to the outfield. Um, but, you know, that's not really Park's fault. Um, he started off um, hot, as least as far as home runs went last year, but then he cooled off significantly. They eventually sent him to the minors where um, it discovered that he had been having this sort of nagging wrist injury like for a while. And then he had some other sort of wrist injury. There was two different injuries he had to the same wrist and he had season-ending surgery. So one of the questions is like, how much did that contribute to him sort of falling off last year? Was it really mostly this injury? Um, which would be great, but it also kind of left him as a big question mark, which is why I think the the twins um, felt like they could designate him for assignment because um, they had to make room on the roster somehow. Um, and I think, it, and it turns out correctly, that the front office um, felt that with his contract, he's owed like $3 million a year um, for such an unproven sort of question mark that he would pass um, through waivers. And I think the timing had a big deal um, to do with it too, because it was like right when spring training started. So the very end of the off season, if they had done that earlier in the off season, I'm not sure if it would have come out the same way, but um, they did that, but they still, um, you know, expect, you know, that he could make the um, opening day roster. And he did come to spring training this year and he worked really hard in the off season to um, catch up the fastballs and it's been paying off. He's been, um, he's really hot come in. He's hit more home runs than anyone else. I can't remember if it's like four now. Um, and the biggest thing was his, um, strikeout to walk ratio got way better than it was last year. So everyone's kind of taken notice of that. And I think it's very, um, possible that he could actually make the, the team over someone like Kenny Svargas, who still has an option left. Um, of course, they'd have to find a way to put Park back on the 40-man roster. But, you know, if if, um, if Park keeps up and shows this, I think they'll have to do that, um, find a way to put him on there. Yeah, the Twins hit 200 home runs last year as a team. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly, I think Royals fans are a little bit envious of that, especially the way balls are flying out of the park last year from every team except for maybe the Royals. So, uh, yeah, that's at least that's one thing the Twins have going for them going into next year. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the starting nine that you expect to see on opening day. The, Royals, the Twins will actually open up against the Royals in Minnesota on April 3rd. I know there's mm-hmm. a lot of new faces, a lot of young guys. Who can we mm-hmm. expect to see in the starting lineup uh, when they open up against the Royals? Uh, well, um, most of it is pretty um, set. Uh, obviously, um, Joe Maurer is going to be at first base. Um, Jason Castro, the uh, catcher that they um, acquired last November, I think, um, will be the catcher. 
Um, Irvin Santana will be the, the opening day starter because there's kind of a big drop off after him. Um, yeah, and then second base is Brian Dozier. Um, third base, Miguel Snow. Um, shortstop will be Jorge Polanco, I think. Um, it's sort of open, but basically Jorge Polanco is out of options, so they have to put him somewhere, and that's the spot that's open. He's more of a second baseman, but um, yeah, basically they, they don't really have a shortstop, so they're going to put him there. Um, and then the outfield, everybody pretty much thinks it's going to be, um, well, Byron Buxton will be a center fielder, uh, Max Kepler, and then probably Eddie Rosario in um, left field. Although he made that really good play, uh, really good throw home in the World Baseball Classic last night um, for Team Puerto Rico. Now people are like, oh, maybe we should put him back in uh, right field. So, you know, flip-flop him and uh, Kepler, but that that will probably be um, the starters. And then DH, like I said, is probably the most questionable one at this point, just because I don't know if it will be Kenny Sparkus or if it will be Byungho Park. Yeah, it's interesting because that you have in that lineup a number of guys under the age of twenty-five: Sano, yep. Kepler, Buxton, Polanco. Buxton really, um, you know, he was mm-hmm. top of the lot of prospect list for many years, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kind of struggled initially in the major leagues, but really came on into last year. Very exciting young player, who brings speed and power. Uh, really has a superstar kind of written all over him. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the pitching a little bit. You mentioned Irvin Santana. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like starting pitching has been kind of the weak spot for the Twins the last couple of years. Yes. Um, I guess, first of all, do you think Santana, is he an, a, a candidate to get traded this year, or are they going to try to keep him to stabilize that rotation? Um, that's a good question. I think it depends on, um, you know, how well or not the twins are doing, you know, through the season, if they, you know, if their younger pitchers can kind of come in and and take over, then maybe they'll feel fine, you know, trading him depending on what the return is. But yeah, I think, I think that they would definitely be open to it. Um, but it would have to be like the right sort of deal at the right time. Um, but I don't think they're sort of like looking necessarily to trade him just because our pitching is so weak um, that it would it's that's kind of what we need. It's you know so it's like why would we trade um, you know him if we're not getting something that you know maybe a younger player would be more beneficial. But um, but as far as he's pretty much the only well we have Phil Hughes who's a veteran but. Um, He's a little bit questionable coming back from injury too. So, so yeah, I mean, if it was for the, the right deal, I think they would definitely trade him, but they're not going to just trade him for the sake of trading him, which I don't think any team would do, but, but I guess that's just another way of saying, I don't think they're going to like be actively trying to shop him um, from, you know, without there being a clear partner. And he is signed through uh, 2018 with a club option for 2019. So I guess he—it's not like he's an impending free agent that they need to get rid of. Yeah. As I mean, uh, a guy that could stick in Minnesota for a while. But how do you see mm-hmm. the um, the rotation kind of shaping up behind him? I know there's a lot of young names. Uh, guys are trying to develop. Uh, who do, who do you see as the starting five to start the year? Yeah. Well, um, obviously Irvin Santana, um, Phil Hughes, who um, is he had the 
thoriatric outlet surgery or whatever, where he had his rib removed um, last season. So oh, oh, we knew we we know about that surgery all too well here. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, yeah, I just I just call it the, the Phil Hughes surgery now, um, or the rib thing. But um, he's coming back, and he says that his arm feels better, but we'll see. He's had some interesting spring training outings. He's still giving up home runs. Um, and then probably Hector Santiago, um, who came in um, with the Ricky Nolasco trade from the Angels last um, during last season. Kyle Gibson, and then that the fifth spot, you know, was they were sort of um, grooming Trevor May um, to come out of the bullpen and start again, and he was going to sort of take over that fifth spot. But of course, he just tore his UCL last weekend, so that's become. Um, a much more open race all of a sudden. Um, some, uh, they have like a trio of, of younger pitchers um, who are more AAA, um, Jose Barrios, obviously Tyler Duffy, and then um, Alberto Meja, who they got in a trade with uh, Edward uh, Eduardo Nunez um, last season. Um, one of those three guys could take it over, but I think they also might want them to start in the minors. And then they have Ryan Vogelsong as a non-roster um, invitee, and he's 39 now. But they might, um, if it was the old front office, I'd say they'd probably definitely do this because they used to do this a lot, would have him start off as the fifth um, starter to start the year and then just let him eat some innings and then call up one of the younger pitchers. But... Um, and I have kind of heard that the front op- that that is an idea that the front office might do um, this season from you know from some of the beat writers and stuff. But um, yeah, it's probably going to be one of those three guys, um, Ryan Vogelsong or their uh, Rule Five draft pick Justin Haley. They could try putting there, but um, I think more people expect him to be um, sort of stuck in the bullpen as a long relief guy, but. Those would be the maybes for the fifth spot, um, unless something, you know, unless somebody else tore up their arm. Um, but yeah, so it's it's um, definitely after that Trevor May injury, it's been a lot more up in the air. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that Ryan Vogelsong was pitching in the World Series just a couple of years ago against the Royals, and now he's 39 years old and in camp with the yeah. Twins. Uh, I guess maybe he's providing some of that veteran presence to the young. Yeah, Twins exactly. I think they liked the the veteran aspect of it, but you know he's not a guy that if he did make the team out of spring training, um, I don't think he would be on the team for the whole year. I think at some point they would say, "Okay, you did your job," um, and you know, designate him for assignment or outrate him or whatnot, and then he would just go somewhere else. But oh, it's um, it's sort of interesting because the um, twins pitching, so it's kind of hard for me to to uh, sort of complain about it at this point because we all know it's not very good. <laughs> well, so I'm just, they, just we're just kind of like crossing our fingers and like hoping it you know it works because what else are we going to do at this point? Yeah, well, it doesn't seem like that long ago that we were kind of in that situation with the Royals, and you know even now their starting pitching isn't isn't all that great, uh, but at least. Uh, fewer question marks, I guess, than than for the Twins. Um, mm-hmm. When the Twins do do hold a lead, um, usually we re- we're used to seeing Glenn Perkins out there closing things mm-hmm. out. But of course, he was hurt last year, only mm-hmm. uh, through two innings last year. What's his status right now? And if he's not ready to go, who's going to take over closing duties? 
Um, he, I don't think, um, he will be ready to start the season. Um, he had a torn labrum, was completely torn off the bone. So that's a really hard injury for a player to come back from. It'll take a long time, but he is throwing, um, you know, like bullpens and stuff down in Florida. And he says that, that he's felt good. There haven't been any setbacks yet. So um, that's good. I know right before spring training started, he was interviewed and said that he was maybe like two weeks behind where he would normally be if he wasn't rehabbing from this injury. Um, so he could come back in. I'm not sure if they would hand him the closer role immediately again. It's going to be probably Brandon Kinsler, who's like one of the only veterans that they have out there in the bullpen. He was closing games for the Twins. Um, a lot of last season after they got rid of um, uh, Jepson um, and did all right. So I think that everyone kind of figures he's going to be the closer until um, Glenn Perkins comes back. And if Glenn Perkins comes back successfully, then he would probably get the closer spot again. But I don't think, you know, especially because it was a torn labrum, I don't think that people are really expecting him to immediately come back and, and be the closer. So we're a couple away, a couple weeks away from the start of the regular season, and uh, I guess what would be your what would be like a reasonable expectation for Twins? Like, what would be considered a successful season? I mean, I don't know if some fans think they can actually compete this year, or is it more like they want just the young players to develop and and maybe reach five hundred this year? Um, yeah, I think. Um... That, I mean, my sort of where I think they'll end up is maybe just slightly under 500. Um, I would be happy if, if they just got 76 wins. I mean, your your expectations are lowered greatly from when you're going from a 59-win season. <laughs> um, so I would be happy with that. But I think, yeah, I think what would make fans most excited is if some of these young guys could really have breakout years um, because they've been told for so long, you know, oh, Byron Buxton, he's going to be so good. And Miguel Snow, he's going to be so good. A lot of fans forget that Byron Buxton just turned 23 years old. Like, he's still super young. Um, he has time. And I think I have high hopes from this year. So um, if the, some of those younger guys could break out, I mean, especially if, like, Jose Barrios came up and pitched really well, um, you know, gave some sort of, you know, glimmer of hope on the pitching side, that would be good. But, but I think that you're right when you say that, that, um, I think twin, you know, fans would be happy with that. Um, even if it wasn't, um, a winning season, um, just to see it like going in the right direction. And frankly, it's sort of hard to see it going backwards after 103 losses. <laughs> because it, I mean, if they did, do worse than that this year i would be amazed because that would be really hard to do <laughs> so yeah so i think just um progression how far they can get um and if any of these young guys because young guys just you know bomb sort of you know or don't really do anything the whole year regress um that would definitely be troublesome because that's sort of the only idea of hope that's been sold to uh, uh to twins fans for so long now and I think we've seen some some teams kind of make big jumps before. I remember the Rays, you know, when they won the pennant, they went from like 66 wins to 96 wins. And a lot of that was just improved pitching. And we know that's the big 
problem right now with the Twins is that they need some mm-hmm. some guys that can get outs. Uh, but certainly they have the lineup to, I think, compete right now. I mean, mm-hmm. sitting here in Kansas City, I think we'd be kind of envious of the kind of uh, bats you guys have in your lineup. And, and with young guys, at least you have a lot of upside. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you, I, I, you never know. I Sometimes, at least when you have these young guys like that, there's there's the upside that they can surprise and have a, a solid season. So uh, we'll definitely have to keep our eye out on the Twins this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the the batting I'm not as worried about. It's more the pitching, but that's been sort of like that for a while now. But we'll see. <laughs> Well, let's we'll see about the Twins, and uh, maybe we'll have to have you on again this summer when the Twins are maybe exceeding expectations, certainly not losing 103 games again, and we can talk about the Twins and, and, and uh, their future success. But thanks so much for joining us, Maya. You're welcome. Thank you. You can follow all the latest Twins news and analysis over at Twinkie Town, and you can follow Maya on Twitter at Kirby's Left Eye. Continue our look at the American League Central Division uh, by concluding with the Detroit Tigers. And uh, here to join me is the editor of Bless You Boys, Rob Rogacki. Uh, Rob, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, we're kind of used to the Detroit Tigers being the beast of the division. I think for a lot of years, we kind of looked up to you guys and we're hoping we could com- compete with you. And of course, 2014, we had a great race uh, with the Tigers. Um, team has missed the playoffs the last two years. Uh, not by much, though, in contention late into the year. Where do you see the franchise right now? I mean, it doesn't seem like they're rebuilding. Uh, still have a lot of established stars, Justin Upton, Miguel Cabrera, J.D. Martinez, Justin Verlander. But they didn't. See, they weren't very aggressive this offseason in kind of making that jump to uh, catch the um, the Cleveland Indians and the, the Boston Red Sox of the league. So where do you see the franchise right now? You know, they're really trying to kind of toe that line between um, not necessarily like rebuilding, but they've I think they called it like retooling or something like that when they um, when they sold it the 2015 trade deadline um, or I, I can't even remember the, the term that they used or rebooting or something like that. Um, so they're basically trying to rebuild on the fly without having to sell off all the big contracts they have, the Miguel Cabreras, Victor Martinez, and all that, in part because it seems like not many people want them. Uh, the Tigers seem to be open for business this offseason, but it seems like their asking prices were a little bit too high, even for guys like Ian Kinsler and J.D. Martinez and whatnot. And so they really kind of stood pat. Um, you know, I was interested by the by the decision to do that, uh, but not at all surprised either. Um, going into... Even after last offseason, I think we saw that this was going to be kind of a slow winter for them because a lot of the guys they had were kind of set up as uh, – it was kind of a two-year window for a lot of that that we saw last year. Uh, you know, they gave Justin Upton the opt-out after 2017. J.D. Martinez was set to be a free agent after 2017. Even guys like Anibal and Sanchez and Mike Pelfrey were going to be a you know free agents after 2017. And so – this is kind of the last year of that window, I guess you could say. And even then, you can look at it and say, you know, they maybe still have another year or two beyond that with all the young pitching they've brought in, Michael Fulmer and Daniel Norris and even Matt Boyd to a certain extent. Uh, but this really kind of seems like – it kind of feels like the last hurrah. Uh, and so I'd be interested to see how everything goes after this season. But I think a lot of people are still looking forward to what they're going to bring to the table in 2017. Seems like there's a lot of parallels there with the Royals and that I think our window is also kind of clo- coming to an end this year with the impending free agents that we have, but they kind of reached, I don't know if they said reboot, 
but they used kind of the similar terminology where they said they wanted to extend the window and get some younger guys in there. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how the Royals and Tigers fare in what could be, you know, the last year with some of the familiar faces, at least. We may see them reboot with uh, newer faces uh, in that rivalry. But I guess complicating matters for the Tigers is the death of longtime owner Mike Illich, who, uh, uh, you know, had done a lot for the Detroit community outside of baseball, uh, but certainly had done a lot for the Tigers, putting in a lot of his own money into uh, a very high payroll. Um, what's the future of the ownership in Detroit? And, uh, I mean, is, 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 do you see the Tigers kind of maintaining that kind of level of payroll for a while? It's interesting. That's kind of been a topic of discussion uh, ever since uh, Mike Illich passed away, is, you know, what exactly what happened with the team. Um, you know, in previous months and years, I guess the thought was kind of that the team would, or that the, the family would look to sell the team. But it seems like Chris Illich, uh, Mike's son, is really kind of interested in keeping the team in-house. Um, he was named the president of the team shortly after Dave Dombrowski was fired in 2015. Um, and he's really kind of come out proactively and said, you know, I want to be the owner of this team. We want to, you know, kind of maintain what we've been doing. Um, but it definitely seems like they're going to be cutting payroll a little bit. And to a certain extent, I think that's, you know, partly because they're not going to be pushing so hard for that elusive championship that Mike Illich wanted so badly. But also because I think that it's a little bit unsustainable this day and age to have a $200 million payroll unless you're in a real big, big market. Um, you know, teams are finding more and more that youth is really kind of the the word now and that you want to have younger players, cost-controlled players, and you have to be able to build from within. You can't just go out and buy a contender anymore. Uh, you've got to be able to supplement that with, you know, players from your farm system, even young homegrown stars. And I think that that's what the Tigers are going to be looking to do. And so it's not necessarily a, a commitment just to cutting payroll, but it's more about you know, being smarter with their with their purchases and with their acquisitions and whatnot, and making sure that they're keeping up with the rest of baseball. And the man being charged with that task is the new general manager Al Al, Al Avila. Now, I guess he's not very not all that new. He's been on the job for a little over a year now. Uh, what's do you have some early impressions on how he's done? Uh, I know he doesn't have a whole lot of transactions to judge him on, but uh, just is there is there kind of early impressions on how how he's doing and how the fan base is is kind of reacting to him? You know, early on, I think a lot of people were actually kind of down on Avila. Um, he has, you know, everyone was kind of happy when he went out and got Jordan Zimmerman last offseason. Uh, but then they went out and signed Mike Pelfrey to a two-year deal. They signed Mike Avilas. Um, and there were just a couple other moves in there that people were just kind of scratching their heads on. Uh, even Cameron Mabin didn't really make sense at the time because they already had Anthony Ghost in-house. Um, you know, people were hoping that they would re-sign Rajay Davis at the time as well. And so the Mabin deal just kind of didn't make sense. Uh, and then he goes out and, you know, kind of uh, ground balls his way to a decent season. And now everyone's upset that they traded away Mabin, uh, which I thought was uh, a little bit uh, kind of an interesting about face. Um, but then with the slow offseason this year, I think people are continuing to kind of be down on him. They put both the Jordan Zimmerman and Justin Upton signings more on Mike Illich's shoulders rather than Al Avila's. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how they fare. I think it's just way too soon to really evaluate a general manager now, especially with one like him where he's saying, you know, we want to keep our prospects. We want to start to build up this farm system a little bit. Um, you know, to his credit, they've gone from dead last in the majors in most organizational rankings to like the bottom third. I think they were like 24th on uh, on Baseball America's list of organizational rankings this year, which is a step in the right direction, sure. Um, but still not quite the kind of progress that they want to make yet. And so we'll see with him. I'm kind of playing the waiting game 
on him. I'm trying to be optimistic with it, but I think the way he manages probably the next year or so, like the next calendar year, will say a lot about how he's going to do uh, in the rest of his tenure in Detroit. And he's got a, a, a scouting background, a um, long time uh, scouting and development. Um, has he been, has he said much about like analytics in the game? Like it seems like that's been the trend with a lot of front offices. They want to go with younger, uh, you know, younger analytics guys to run the team. Uh, certainly the Royals are bucking that trend with Dayton Moore. Uh, is, is, uh, you know, are the Tigers going to kind of stick with that scouting background or are they, are they stressing analytics at all? They're really kind of trying to blend the two approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, based on what I've seen reported, it sounds like Avila has uh, beefed up both the scouting and analytics departments quite a bit uh, ever since he has been hired. Um, I believe they've hired a, a bunch of new scouts. They've been dipping more into different markets. They've signed a few different Australian prospects, which I think is a, a little bit interesting, um, as well as I think they're starting to kind of finally delve into the Asian market as well, which they hadn't previously done. Um but they're also doing a little bit more with analytics as well. Uh, we haven't really seen as much of that come into fold yet, although they de- they have been emphasizing pitch framing a little bit more. Uh, it seems like James McCann, based on baseball prospectus's numbers, James McCann made a big step forward in pitch framing last year. He went from you know pretty awful in 2015 to about league average in 2016, which is a you know a pretty good step. Uh, I know that manager Brad Osmus, as a former catcher, has also kind of emphasized that as well. That's one of the things that he's really taken to. Um, but at the same time, this is really kind of the same team that was put together by Dave Dombrowski, a very old school general manager. Uh, and so there's only so much they can do. So far, I know they've been emphasizing defense and base running, but I think there was a quote that came out uh, earlier this offseason that you know, Brad, o- Brad Osmus basically said, we are who we are at this point and uh, I think it's going to take a little while longer before we really see how how analytics focused this uh, new front office is well, let's talk about Brad Osmus a little bit uh, just because I think he was a little bit of a lightning rod in Detroit last year uh, and there were some reports that he was going to get fired uh, at the end of the year and of course that didn't come to fruition um, what what's I guess the main criticism of, of him in Detroit and how hot is, is his seat right now Oh man, people have been wanting Brad Osmus to be fired ever since the day he was hired, <laughs> uh, and the same it was the same thing with Jim Leland too. Yeah. Is that people were very unhappy with Jim Leland, um, but now that now that Osmus came in, uh, everyone loves Jim Leland and wants him back. Um, grass is greener on the other side, I suppose. Uh, the 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 problem with Osmus, I think uh, a lot of people have really harped on the bullpen management early on. Uh, back in 2014, uh, when the Tigers did make it to the ALDS. Um, Osmus was just destroyed in the media uh, and in the fan base for the way he handled that series, uh, in particular bringing in guys like Java Chamberlain and you know and other guys like that during that series when the the bullpen was clearly struggling and you know they blew leads in I think two of the three games that that they lost in that series and uh, ever since it's really kind of been the uh, the that's the, been the biggest thing for the Osmus haters. Um, I think he's actually done pretty well for the most part. I thought that he did very well to kind of keep the clubhouse together in 2015 when the team was struggling, especially after they sold at the trade deadline. It seemed like the team was uh, playing very hard. Um, You know, there was a minor dust up at one point between James McCain and Jose Iglesias. We haven't heard a peep about any sort of clubhouse issues ever since. Uh, Nothing is real, really boiled over at all. And they've cut, they came out strong in 2016 and had a pretty good season for the most part. And so, I think that his bullpen management has gotten a little bit better as well. Uh, it helps that he's had better pitchers to work with, uh, for sure. Um, but I think that overall we've seen steps forward with Osmus. Uh, and so even though he's been reported to you know, 
be on the hot seat for a few years now. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I think it was interesting. The front office decided to just pick up his uh, his option for the 2017 season. So he would uh, I, I don't know what the manager term for a free agent is, uh, but he would be one after the 2017 season. And I think that that will kind of be the, the way the Tigers perform in 2017 will kind of determine whether he's back. I think that they're, they're if they make the playoffs or they're very close to making the playoffs, he may come back and get a contract extension but otherwise the uh the two sides may part ways uh but we'll see how it goes i i think the the team itself really likes osmus they've been going to bat for him you know every step of the way ever since uh, he was hired in 2014 and so i think that that speaks a little bit more to the type of manager he is than any sort of bullpen decision making he's made yeah, I think one one postseason run would probably be all all he needs to kind of solidify his job because we know all too well in Kansas City we were all ready to fire Ned Yost in 2014, and of course he goes on his run then and then goes on the run in 2015 and now he's probably going to get a statue in front of the stadium someday. So things can change in a hurry. So uh, yeah, if the team if the team wins, you can do no wrong. Right, right, and you know you mentioned a good point about the bullpen. You know he's got better bullpen arms to deal with, and you know, that was kind of the same deal in Kansas City. I mean, once you have Wade Davis to turn to in the ninth inning that 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 really makes you look like a much better manager um let's talk about the tigers bullpen since we know that they have had some issues in the past that's been kind of their achilles heel um like how do you see the tigers bullpen playing out right now is i mean uh, uh you know francisco rodriguez is he going to be the closer and how do things kind of shake up in front of him I'm still a little bit worried about the bullpen, to be honest. Uh, Francisco Rodriguez will start the season as a closer. Uh, he had a pretty good season in 2016, but there were warning signs uh, at times, especially later in the year. He was really starting to get hit harder. Uh, if you've watched him at all in the World Baseball Classic, pitching for Team Venezuela, he's not looked sharp at all. Um, you know, he tends to kind of get a little bit uh, off to a slow start in some seasons. Uh, I think that we were a little bit concerned about him in spring training last year, uh, and he've of course, blew his first save uh, as a Tigers closer, and so that just set everyone off last season. Um, but I'm a little bit concerned with him. You know, he's getting up there in age. Uh, he's only like 33, 34, something like that, which isn't too old in reliever years. But he's been pitching for so long. I mean, this is like his 16th or 17th season. He came up when he was what 19 with the Angels or something like that. And so there are a lot of miles on that arm, even though he is just a reliever. Um, and the the rest of the bullpen, you know, there are. Good. There, you know, there are pros and cons with every guy. Uh, we saw the best of Justin Wilson and Shane Green in the early part of the season last year. I think both guys had ERAs under two at one point, and then they ran into whether it was fatigue or something else in the second half, and things just kind of fell apart with them. Uh, Bruce Rondon came on strong towards the second half of 20, uh, 2016, uh, and it'll be interesting to see if he can maintain that. For a full year, uh, the the thing that kind of gives me pause with it is that we saw a lot of these guys, you know, Rondon and Justin Wilson and Alex Wilson and all them. They all put up good peripheral numbers, like uh, FIP. They did all fairly well with that, uh, but the ERAs especially were were quite high. Uh, I know that Shane Green, his FIP was almost three runs higher than his or his ERA was almost three run, runs higher than his FIP last year, uh, and there was kind of the same story with a lot of those other with a lot of those other guys. Um, one guy to watch out for will be Joe Jimenez, uh, the what a lot of people have been calling the best relief prospect in the minors. Um, he will be up at some point for the Tigers in 2017, 
uh, and hopefully he can kind of solidify the back end of the bullpen a little bit more. But I still think there may be some growing pains this year as they transition and get a few more of these guys coming through the pipeline up into the majors. Yeah, Jimenez, it seems like a name that I hear, uh, I read on your side a lot. It seems like almost a folk folk hero at this point. But uh, yeah, so there, there couldn't be a better match, I think, for the best relief a prospect in the minors than the Detroit Tigers. So we'll have to see what he can do uh, perhaps this, later this summer. Uh, you mentioned earlier about Cameron Mabin getting traded. He was tra- dealt to the Angels over the offseason. That left a hole in center field, and I'm not sure the Tigers have filled it yet. What's the uh, situation in center field right now? I mean, the rumor, <laughs> the rumors have still kind of been swirling a little bit. Uh, the Tigers were reportedly as you know late as last week looking for someone else to fill the hole in center field. Uh, of course, that came from John Heyman, and so you know it's tough to say exactly how reputable that was. Um, but it's still a big question mark for them. You know, they've looked at guys like Tyler Collins and new acquisition Mikey Matuk in, in center field, and neither one of them has been pressed very much in spring training so far. Jacoby Jones has fared a little bit better in the, you know, few spring training at-bats he's had, but it seems like the organization really wants to send him back down to AAA to get him a little bit more experience this year. Um, Anthony Ghost was a guy who, you know, he had a decent year in 2015, but really kind of cratered a little bit in 2016. He was sent down to the minors and then had a little bit of a dust up with uh, AAA manager Lloyd McClendon, who is now the major league hitting coach. Um, it seems like, you know, that's all water under the bridge for those two now. Uh, but Ghost has since been designated for assignment and is now off the 40 man roster. And so that's a little bit of an obstacle he would have to clear. Uh, and then they may look towards someone else. Uh, I know the beat the beat writers were touting utility infielder Andrew Romine as a potential option in center field uh, earlier today. And so no matter what, it's really not looking pretty. Uh, the one thing that I think a lot of people have kind of fallen back on isn't so much that, you know, these guys might be better than we think, but rather that Cameron Megan, Cameron Maven was probably going to regress. And so, you know, it's, it wasn't really going to be great either way. Uh, and so we'll see what happens with that. But no matter what, I don't think we're going to be having an all-star in center field anytime soon. Well, they may not have to have a center, uh, an all-star center fielder with the way that some of the bats uh, and their lineup swing the, uh, and put up offensive numbers, guys like Miguel Cabrera, J.D. Martinez. Martinez was a subject of some trade rumors as well this offseason. Um, is he a guy that could be on the move this summer, or do you expect them to, to extend, uh, extend him to a long-term deal? That one's a tough one. Uh, you know, I think the Tigers were really looking to try to extend Martinez to a, a long-term deal a couple of years ago. Um, they ended up agreeing on just a two-year deal that didn't didn't end up buying any more free agent years. Um, but they did uh, kind of set his price for the last two seasons of arbitration that he had left. Um, as for what happens this offseason, you know, that's really tough to say. Uh, for the last three years, Martinez has been as good of a hitter, um, you know, as Edwin Encarnacion, a uh, guy that just signed with the Indians this offseason. I think that uh, in terms of OPS plus or WRC plus, they're within like a point of each other. Um, and so that just kind of goes to show just how valuable a hitter Martinez has been. Uh, but his defense really kind of cratered in 2016. Um, he was well below average in right field then. Um, he also fractured his elbow after running into a wall in Kansas City, as a matter of fact. Um and so he missed uh, about a month and a half with that. Um, I know that a lot of fans would like to see Martinez extended. He's a you know a big time fan favorite here in Detroit, but I don't know if it's necessarily the smartest move for a team that already has so many long term payroll commitments. Uh, you know, potentially with Justin Upton uh, taking up twenty two million dollars a year over in the other outfield corner, the Tigers may just look to move on from Martinez, collect their draft pick, uh, and go on their way. Um, if the team 
falls out of contention early this year and they look to sell at the deadline, I imagine Martinez is probably the first one to get moved. Um, but otherwise, they may just kind of look to recoup that, that qualifying offer draft pick at the end of the year. Do we have a sense of what the starting lineup is going to look like on opening day? I know they talked about having Nick uh, Castellanos hit number two in the lineup. He had a nice year last year, uh, 827 OPS, 18 home runs. Uh, are they thinking about kind of juggling things around a little bit, or is it, are the guys kind of set since they're since they're veteran guys? Well, yeah, it's interesting to see what they're going to do with that spot in the lineup. Um, you know, a, a lot of it's going to look the same as last year. Ian Kinsler is going to lead off. You're going to have Miguel Cabrera hitting third, uh, probably Victor Martinez, J.D. Martinez, and Justin Upton filling in after him. Um, but that second spot on the lineup has been kind of a top of a conversation even for the last couple of years um you know even at this point last year we were wondering who was going to hit second it ended up being upton at the beginning of the season and he had a real rough start uh, then they moved gd martinez up there and he fared okay i think his numbers looked decent but if you compare them to his numbers overall they were a little bit subpar um and then cameron maven got moved into that spot for uh, you know, a co- just a couple games, and he kind of took off. And so the, the Tigers left him there for the rest of the year. Uh, but this year, it seems like uh, Castellanos is probably the, the leader in the clubhouse, so to speak, uh, as far as batting second. Um, I know that fans are kind of mixed on that. Castellanos isn't the best base runner, um, and he doesn't have the highest walk rate either. I think even with the solid OPS last year, he's still only at a 330 on base percentage. I know that fans would like to have that be a little bit higher, but you know, other than the guys hitting directly behind him, there's not really anyone else on the roster that fits that prototypical number two hole uh, player. And so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I think that, you know, you can only do so poorly when you have the, the middle of the order bats that they have. But it would be nice to have someone on base consistently in front of Cabrera and Martinez. It is interesting. The Tigers, I think, are marked, you know, very distinct style, different from the Royals, where, the, you know, definitely big boppers. Guys can get on base a little bit better, but I think the Roy- it seems like the Royals are trying to get closer to the Tigers model, uh, realizing I guess there's that you know more home runs are needed in today's game. So uh, kind of interesting to see how these teams will match up uh, over the course of the summer. So we're about three weeks away from the start of the season. Uh, you know, still things could happen in spring training, but uh, you know, put a you know get your crystal ball out and let's let's try to think about how the Tigers do this year. If you could put a if you could kind of project what, what would be your prediction for the Tigers this year and, and maybe what would be like the best case scenario, like how, how do things line up for them to, to make the playoffs this year? You know, I think they are going, maybe this is just me being a homer, but I do think that they're going to contend in, uh, in 2017. I think they're going to be, you know, maybe they, they might not keep up with the Indians in the division race, uh, but I think that they will contend for the wild card. Uh, if I had to put a win total on it, I'd say somewhere around the neighborhood of 87 wins. Uh, they won 86 last year. Um, they were relatively lucky in terms of injuries. They lost Castellanos for about six weeks, J.D. Martinez for six weeks. But they got healthy years out of Miguel Cabrera and, you know, Justin Verlander, Victor Martinez, uh, and really the, the, you know, the top guys on their roster. Michael Fulmer kind of came, I wouldn't necessarily say out of nowhere, but I don't think anyone expected that out of him last year. Um, but if you look at it overall, I mean, they basically did all of this without their number two starter in Jordan Zimmerman. Uh, and the early signs with him, uh, you know, in spring training, seems like he's has his old velocity back. He's had been hitting like 93, 94 miles an hour on the radar gun, which is a big step for him after last year and even a little bit in 2015 as well. And so if they can get him back, I think that really kind of wards off some regression that you'll get from foam, from Fulmer. Um, provided he can stay healthy, you're going to also have Daniel Norris for a full season in the rotation. And he took some major steps forward. 
uh, throughout the late part of last season. Uh, it was the first time he was actually kind of able to stay healthy, and he put up a monster September. I think he was actually better than Justin Verlander in the month of September last year. And so if they can get a decent full season out of him, I think they'll be um, in good shape. Uh, and really, it's that's kind of the best-case scenario for them is that they get – you know, all this young pitching kind of takes a step forward. Matt Boyd wins a spot out of spring training ahead of the struggling veterans, Anibal Sanchez and Mike Pelfrey. And if those guys can kind of pitch well and that starting rotation can stay healthy, this could be a team that could win upwards of 90 games. You know, the bullpen's going to be an issue, but they've dealt with that in the past with a strong rotation. I think the offense is going to be fine. Uh, you know, if Castellanos continues to take a step forward like he did, he did last year and you get some bounce back seasons from guys like Jose Iglesias and James McCann, they could be a decent offensive outfit. And if that starting pitching is able to kind of carry them, they could they could do well. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. You know, injuries and the like happen. Victor Martinez, Miguel Cabrera, those guys are getting a little bit older. And so I think like the 86-87 win neighborhood, uh, just kind of keeping them right on the edge of the wild card race um, is kind of going to be where it's at. And I think that the, um, you know, the week, the, the, the week of the rest, the, the rest of the week, AL central, uh, particularly with the white Sox and twins making a help boost them along too. If the Royals fall out of contention and start to sell, uh, maybe that kind of adds a win or two to their total as well. And so I think that just the, uh, I guess you could call it a weaker schedule, uh, with the, with the weak teams they have behind them could, could play a role in, boost them into contention a little bit more. Yeah, I should point out, too, that uh, the Tigers have uh, veteran second baseman Omar Infante in camp, uh, member of the 2014 <laughs> Kansas City Royals uh, pennant-winning club, and he's there to provide veteran presence, and, and he could be, you know, he could add another couple wins right there. Uh, yeah, speaking speaking of the uh, center field conundrum, uh, apparently Infante has been taking some fly balls in center field this uh, this spring as well. That so I would like to see. Does he have a, ch- does he have a chance to make the club? Don't count him out. Does he have a chance to make the club? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I've, I saw him hit last year. I don't think he has a chance to make the club either. But you know what? Sometimes guys find the uh, the fountain of youth and uh, bounce back somehow. So we'll have to keep a track of our old friend Omar. But uh, I'd like to see the Royals and Tigers kind of have another division race. I thought 2014 was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we came up a little short that year. But I think ultimately uh, things worked out for us in October. But uh, uh, we'll have to see how the Tigers do. They certainly have an intriguing club with a lot of big stars. And we'll have to have you back on a again to talk about the Tigers maybe this summer when uh, things are heating up in the pennant race. Absolutely. Glad to do it. Well, you can find all of Rob Rogacki's work at Bless You Boys and all the latest news on the Detroit Tigers. And uh, we thank him for being on the show. And uh, that'll do it for our AL Central preview. Uh, Thanks a lot for tuning in, and we'll talk to you again next week.